0: So, if I was starting today as a new solo, I would the do entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial aspect. Going
1: to have to change the no way they're practicing. So they
0: leader they've leader it really to help
1: young lawyers. It's
0: starting a small firm. It to be
1: so Make it easy to work with, with your
0: New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap. Making that leap. Making that
1: leap. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares. My guest today is Levi Barlavi. Hi, Levi.
2: Hi, Adriana. How are you?
1: I'm good. You know, so we should disclose that the reason I know you is because I helped you for a while with your technology and getting streamlined, which we're going to talk about. That's how we know each other. And thank you so much for having been a great and fun client of mine. I guess you don't need me anymore, which is kind of my dream, right? You know, I know that sounds weird, but I don't really want long-term relationships with clients, not because I don't enjoy working with them, but because I feel like at some point you can reach a level of technology competence and business efficiency where instead of me working to get you there, you get there and then, you know, they call back when they need something or here's an idea and I want to, you know, become more proficient or efficient with this or that. So
2: so you're um, not, you're not like one of those therapists who want to just keep, <laughs> keep me no. in the chair for years. <laughs>
1: As a matter of fact, I'm the exact opposite. I'm more like the doctor that wants to cure your problem and then not see you again till you've got another ailment that needs fixing. Right. <laughs> so that not that terrible? But it, it was really fun working with you. But the whole point of that is we're friends on LinkedIn or we're not friends. Maybe that would be Facebook, but we're connected. And I love your LinkedIn posts. I'm going to ask you about that and how you're using that just to give sage advice to fellow attorneys. But also, I think there might be a marketing aspect in there, so I'm going to ask you about that. And I definitely want to ask you about your solo practice, your niche practice. So why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice.
2: Yeah, I am a Los Angeles-based attorney. I've, I've had my own practice now for over 10 years. I assist, I have a very niche practice, so I assist doctors with their business transactions. So I do everything from uh, healthcare practice startups to acquisitions to sales, joint venture agreements, and uh, private equity transactions, and basically all of the contracts in between I assist my clients with. And I've been doing this for a long time now.
1: Can you tell us how you narrowed down into that niche? I love niche practices. I love talking to attorneys with niche practices because obviously it's focused and it's special. But another interesting thing, and I hope you talk about this too, I think you love it. I do. I know. (laughs) So, how did you get, how did you funnel down from when you started to this niche and why do you love it so much?
2: You know, I took a very circuitous route to get to where I am. I started out when I, when I graduated Georgetown, I came back to Los Angeles and I clerked for a complex litigation courthouse here in LA, which was fascinating because you got the best of the best kind of doing mass class actions or very complex lawsuits. And, um, it was really enjoyable to be a clerk. So after that, I went out and I worked in a, um, defense litigation practice, uh, handling employment law matters. And I really didn't have a good sense of what I wanted out of my career. Um, I was kind of one of these leaves just kind of floating in the (laughs) river, you know, letting it take me wherever it wanted to take me. But the truth was, I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the work. I didn't enjoy, I didn't find any pleasure out of it. I found most of the clients were frustrated about getting sued. It seemed like everything, you know, every good deed gets punished and they couldn't do anything right and I didn't find a process, one that was great in terms of outcomes. It just, it just seemed like everyone left uh, upset. And then I got a great push to go out on my own and we can get into that. But basically I threw my hat into the solar ring, you know, three years out of law school and I didn't wow. know what I was doing. I absolutely was swimming deep in the deep side of the pool and deep side of the ocean. But when you go out on your own, one of the great things about going out on your own, you get a real flavor for everything. Because, man, when you have to uh, eat what you kill, you'll you'll take anything that people (laughs) will give you. So I did everything from personal injury to, you know, plaintiff side employment litigation. And I come from a family of doctors. I married my wife, who's a dentist, around the same time that I went out on my own. Uh, my sister's OBGYN. She came back to LA a few years after I did from medical school. So I have a family of healthcare professionals in my network of friends and family. And one by one, they start putting contracts in my face saying, hey, nice. can you review this employment contract? Can you review this lease? And the light bulb went off. And I said, you know, I have a pretty good organic network here. Yep. And I really enjoyed the work. It seemed like every time I helped answer a question or review an agreement or put a deal together, clients were satisfied and I got a lot more pleasure out of work. And so that's when the nucleus of the practice took hold, probably two or three years into being a solo practice. And then from there, it just took off.
1: That's great. And I don't think you've had a shortage of clients since then. But I do know it took you a while to get your tech right because yeah, did. <laughs> you didn't call me 10 or 12 years ago you called me about three years ago.
2: <laughs> Yeah, it did. So,
1: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about i mean obviously you got along just fine you're solo wait backup question did you have an office do you have a home office now how was your yeah um, no I, I had an
2: office i had a nice office in century city for a long time you know i i would bounce around i would have support staff here and there but I was, I was solo in the sense of the word solo for a long time. Yeah. I wore all hats. And then, you know, every year was a growth year until 2019, which was my best year. So the pandemic really was a blessing for me in some ways. It couldn't have come at a better time. It was scary because I'm, yeah. I'm transactional. So everything kind of stopped. All my deals just stopped and froze or, 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 or uh, fell off. the the deal cycle. And then it just gave me an opportunity to kind of rethink how I want to practice. You know, I was burning the candles at both ends. There was a lot of pain points in solo practice. So I just took the opportunity to control what I can control. And part of that was learning. And so I found you through another podcast and you did wonders for my practice, just in terms of learning word competence. Um, I think so many attorneys, you you know, just a small investment in learning technology goes so far. And it's just even I even started pulling on that thread after talking to you. And that's led to a lot of real improvements in my practice.
1: No, I love that. We got you on a practice management system. You learned how to use Word better. We created some templates for you. You didn't have an assistant at the time, but I think you have one now.
2: Yeah, I'm an assistant. I'm an associate now.
1: Oh, wow! Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And all that technology just has probably helped you work with them easier, collaborate better. You just plug them into your fully cloud-based law practice, and you're ready we're to go.
2: Completely remote. You know, yeah. I was an early adopter of Clio, which which I I connected oh, with you. Oh, that's right. With you, you were on. already using. Clio. Yeah, because you were you were talking on behalf of Clio for something I don't remember. So 2020, I basically established a new vision for my practice, how I wanted the practice to look after we got out of the pandemic, whenever that was, and we came Mm -hmm. back to normal. And part of that was adding technology component to it to have an easier way of practicing, which you helped me with. But, you know, now we're completely remote. I have my client service director who works from home. I have an associate attorney in San Francisco. So, you know, technology was a big reason why we're able to work like this right now.
1: I like that you said you had developed a new vision for what you wanted the practice to look like after the pandemic. So aside from just using technology to improve efficiency and processes, did you have a business coach or how did you, was there any other part of of doing that that you would want to share with listeners or something important sage advice. That's why you're here.
2: Yeah, no. So for me, I didn't have a business coach. I was kind of looking for one, but I never landed on anything, but it was a uh, development born of really frustration, realizing that I couldn't, I couldn't just burn the candle at both ends and work all of the time. I need to work smarter. And so the pause, I, I took a workshop, there was a seminar with a author, Cameron Harold, I think his name is, of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, I'm, I'm maybe missing the, the name of his company, but he basically put on a seminar for CFOs and CEOs and CEOs about, and he has this idea of just like an Olympic track athlete or someone who's in sports visualizes their success he said that you have to visualize what your business and what your career is going to look like but make it three years out Mm. and so and then work backwards so i took a hike i went up up to the la santa Monica mountains i took a yellow legal pad with me and i just wrote feverishly Um, i put like eight pages of notes this is how my practice is going to look like at the end of 2013. This is how I want it to feel. These are who my clients are. These are the people I want to work with. These are the staff that will be hired. So I kind of game planned how that would look. And, you know, I'm halfway there through that vision. And we're more than halfway there. I All the support staff was hired from that uh, business plan. Yeah, it, re- it really came out of a sense of... Uh, You know, when you most of us attorneys don't have any business acumen, so they don't teach us anything on the business side of law coming out of law school. So when you work as a solo attorney, you learn how to become an accountant, a bookkeeper and, you know, marketer and and do all these hats. But I was just working so hard. The break offered me opportunity to kind of step back and reflect and uh, renew my plan.
1: Well, it's all very good advice. We're going to take a quick break, listen to some messages from some sponsors, and when we come back, I'm going to ask you about marketing. Be right back.
0: What do firms with growing revenue have in common today? They're quicker to adopt client-centered legal technologies. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. Our research shows that firms with growing revenue are 37% more likely to use online payment solutions and 41% more likely to use client portals, two technologies that make it easier for clients to interact with their lawyers. The data is clear. Firms that find ways to make their services easier and more convenient for clients are the ones that see better client satisfaction and higher revenue. For more information on what tools successful firms are adopting, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio, spelled C-L-I-O, dot com, forward slash trends.
1: Okay, I'm back with Levi Barlavi, and I'm excited to be talking about growing your solo practice, having visions for it, having a plan for it, and of course, wearing all those hats, because it is hard, you know, when you go to launch your solo practice, you don't realize how many hats you're going to end up wearing. But I want to ask you about marketing, because I remember when we had initially Matt, you told me you did a lot of speaking. I don't think a lot of solos, and especially new solos, realize how important it is to get out there and do that, what a lead generation tool that can be. But two, because you're in such a niche, if I remember correctly, and you could just expound on this, you are often invited to speak at medical conferences. So tell us about that and maybe how you got that that opportunity or built upon maybe one opportunity that you had, and then continue to use that as a way, as a marketing tool. And I know you also do it because you love it, but it's, you know, the whole point is do stuff you love.
2: (laughs) Right. Actually, I came to love it. I'm, I'm at my core. I'm a, I'm a pretty, I was a pretty shy kid growing up. And so, yeah, at my core, I'm still that person. So I I sometimes pinch myself when I actually speak in front of like a hundred doctors and say, who is this guy up there? But how that started was, you know, really it came from networking. Um, when I started on my own, you know, there wasn't, there was social media, but it wasn't as prevalent. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly was not doing it. And so my goal was just to meet as many people as I can meet. So I went to a lot of conferences and, you know, knocked on a lot of doors, so to speak, and, and reached out to CPAs and bankers and other advisors, uh, introduced myself. And once I developed a following of mostly dentists and work with some of the industry specific people in the dental industry, and they started hearing about my work with mutual clients, they started inviting me to come talk at conferences and association meetings. And I have to say, I, I, I was terrified of doing so. Like I said, I was I was a very naturally shy kid growing up. But, you know, the one thing that solo practice has taught me is that, you know, for all of the kind of material benefits of kind of creating your own business and, and reaping those rewards, my greatest value is when I can know I'm not doing something right. Fill it with knowledge, and then see the personal growth on the other side of it. So, going out and speaking was one of those. I knew that I wasn't comfortable doing it, but that I wanted to get over that discomfort. So, I started. I started speaking at conferences, and really, I didn't advertise much. That was like the the nucleus of where my referral base started coming from was speaking at all of those uh, events and conferences over the years.
1: Me too. I'll tell you, I've never paid a dollar for marketing. All of my business has always come from speaking. It's just a no-brainer. Can you give me the name of like two presentations that you normally give to doctors and medical conferences just to give lawyers, other lawyers, an idea for the types of topics that you might offer if somebody said, hey, we're looking for a speaker for our ATM machine conference.
2: Yeah. So, you know... The one I do the most is probably the um, issues and transactional steps in terms of buying or acquiring a practice. So a Perfect. dental practice, for instance, I I will go and speak to a set of dentists about what the process is like when you acquire a dental practice. What are the steps you take? What are the legal issues involved? And top line issues related to those. So understanding broad frameworks related to the legal structure of the transaction, and then walking them through what the transition looks like, both from a kind of, um, you know, practical sense and also legal sense. So that's just one of the talks I give to doctors. I do, you know, I also do more and more now private equity transactions. So I talk to them about you know the benefits and the and the negative the downsides of selling your practice to a private equity company what those issues include why it would be different from a doctor to doctor transaction and 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 really a lot of different topics
1: i like the first topic which you said you know sort of built for Dennis but once you have that base presentation down i assume you could then modify it for any other vertical in the business. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's an important thing for for all lawyers to hear is, look, I'll use me as an example. I get asked all the time to give presentations. My answer is always yes, because it's the best free marketing for me ever. So what I've done is I've created a page on my website, lawtechpartners.com forward slash sessions. I go pick one of these and I can modify any one of them just a little bit, but one, it makes it easy for me to say, well, here's my normal topics that I speak on. Um, These are also the most highly requested because a lot of times people come to me, they're organizers, they don't even know what they want. So I go just, here, take one of these and show it to your board and pick one. And then if there's a small modification somebody wants, it's easy for me to make because I already have the base presentations down. The other thing I'm going to say is for those of you listening, Toastmasters is, and if you've been a longtime listener of mine, you've heard me say, I used to do Toastmasters when I was in my 20s. It was one of the best things I ever did for myself in order to learn how to speak better not just publicly but even in small groups and stuff so I strongly recommend everyone out there to get out there and go to Toastmasters if you are young and new and haven't really gotten comfortable with public speaking
2: Great great suggestion yeah I, I I've developed some tricks in terms of how I how I get up there and, and talk and one thing I love to do is um, when I'm whenever first of all I think you might have to help me with that with that uh, service page on speaking oh. on my website. <laughs> I, I need to include that. Into-
1: and I have a speaker request form. I don't have time for a bunch of emails and having to ask a bunch of questions. Go to the site, fill out the form, pick your session. Or,
2: or create create the kind of media kit so that, that you can just dis, you know disperse that very easily. But whenever I talk, I, I still am so nervous, but it's such a phenomenal way to connect two clients um, because you're providing goodwill, you're providing information, you're not asking for anything. So for them to see you in person and feel, uh, you know, how you present and and what your knowledge is, it, you're you're selling even without trying to sell to clients. And one thing I love to do is I, I always get nervous when it's like a crowd of 100, 150 people, like when we do big dental conferences. Um, I love just Before I even start, I will go talk to four or five people in the front row and just chit-chat with them and just get to know them, ask them their name, you know, what they did over the weekend. And it just, it kind of sets me into a more comfortable zone. So I just kind of focus like I'm speaking to a friend in the front row. Right.
1: Then you've got somebody whose gaze you can meet and you know it's a friendly face.
2: That's right. So, you know, with anything, it's just like more reps makes you more comfortable to
1: do anything like that. I agree. I'm gonna save the last segment for a full LinkedIn conversation because I love the way you lo- use LinkedIn, but sort of talking about you getting out of your comfort zone, which is obviously what you do when you give public talks. You had a LinkedIn post where you forced yourself to do a video. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Like why you wanted to do that? How you finally got the courage up to do it and then how it went?
2: Yeah. So. You know, just a little bit of background. I'm a social media kind of hermit. For the longest time, I was never on social media. And we can talk about why I ended up going onto LinkedIn and using it. And it's been a fantastic journey. But one thing that I have been always apprehensive about is to put out video online. So everyone has told me, hey, you know, these, these talks are fantastic. You should record them. And you should put them out. You should kill two birds with one stone. And I have this. I don't know if it's unique to me. But I can get in front of a crowd now of 100 people. And be very comfortable. Because it's almost like a closed environment. And I know it's staying there. But the idea of then putting <laughs> something out into the ether and the, and, the, and the internet. Where I have no more control over it. Was very, very uncomfortable for me. So... I've been kind of battling that discomfort for a while, and then I'm just kind of in this, you know, whenever I feel discomfort, I I just try to figure out a way to push myself to get over it. So I was at a dental conference, you know, conferences started back up. The truth is that they can be quite boring. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a lot of small talk. If you get outside of the presentations you give, you're doing a lot of small talk, walking around, talking to people, having the same conversations, and I just... Told myself that I'm going to record three conversations, just kind of ad hoc. If I'm if I'm talking to someone and something interesting is being discussed, I'm going to ask them if they would mind having a two minute conversation with me and record it. And I was just going to record it and just put it out that second. I wasn't going to worry about editing it or how it sounded. I wasn't going to view it. I was just going to put it out. So the funny thing was. The first conversation I had was with uh, someone named Fred Joyle, who is a co- co-founder of 1-800-DENTIST, which was a fantastic, fantastic hmm. marketing arm for dentistry for a very long time. And he, re- he just wrote a book about being bold and stepping out of your comfort zone. And this was the first person I meet <laughs> on the conference floor. I just told myself, all right, if you're not going to do
1: it, yeah, the if universe not, is it, telling you it's something. It's
2: conspiring against me, so <laughs> I'm like, you have to do it. So I asked Fred if he would record just a brief call conversation about his his book about being bold. I thought it was so connected to what I was trying to do personally, right there in the moment. So we did a great little two minute video. It's on my LinkedIn page. Mm-hmm. I, I post on social media and it was it was really well received. I got a lot mm-hmm. of private messages from it. And sometimes if you're too analytical like I am or if you're in your head too much, you'll overthink th- things to the point where you'll not get you'll never get anything done. And sometimes you just have to do 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 and then and then get comfortable afterwards. You know, you'll you'll never be you'll never be comfortable before. You just have to do something be, dis- be uncomfortable with it and then do it enough where you're comfortable with it. So that was just an exercise for me to just try to exercise my boldness muscle and, and get a little comfortable about putting the videos out there.
1: Well, I loved it. And you, the very first thing you say is, I told myself I was going to make these videos. So here I am. And you just... You know, it's, I think what was so compelling about it is it's very personal and informative. So you just start out by saying, oh, just so you know, this is new and I'm kind of nervous, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm forcing myself. I mean, that's inspirational just in and of itself. And then the conversation was really good. So we'll take another quick break here. We'll come right back and I'm going to ask Levy a little bit more about LinkedIn because he's very active on there. He has very good and sage advice. And uh, we're going to talk about how he has used that as successfully as he has. We'll be right back. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos, after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable, premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash first flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First Flight Program Subject to Eligibility Requirements. Yes, yes, you have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? It should look good. It should work for you. And it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders. And their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice made perfect. Visit pmpmg.com forward slash solo. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project based and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. Okay, and I'm back with Levi Barlavi, who is a health law attorney based in Los Angeles. He's a solo practitioner and has been telling us about, actually not totally a solo anymore, has been telling us about how he's grown his practice, gotten out of his comfort zone as far as marketing goes. And one of the things I really wanted to focus on, because I, I look at LinkedIn probably more than any of my other social medias. Um, I never get on Facebook. I try to look at Twitter, but LinkedIn for me is always just interesting. It's straight up. So Levy, when did you, or how did you decide? You said earlier, I'd never been on social media. I was not my thing. And then decided to put it all into LinkedIn and it's been very successful. What got you there?
2: You know, it was it was part of that journey that we talked about earlier in 2020 about thinking about my practice anew and what I want to get out of it. I just realized that if you are not, you know, it's one thing to be an expert in terms of what you do as an attorney, but the business of law requires you to also be good at the business of law. So I was leaving, you know, speaking, networking are fine. They're fantastic in terms of earned media and, and, and generating goodwill but I was leaving a lot of low-hanging fruit on those trees by not participating in the conversation online. But I was really hesitant. But you know, in 2020, I also realized that I had kind of gotten a little bit comfortable in my practice. I wasn't really pushing myself in any way. I was just kind of doing what I was doing, and I was very judgmental of social media and You know, I I was probably judging a lot of people who were putting stuff out there. (laughs) We all do. We all do. Right. And uh, I didn't like that I was judging it without really even participating it or knowing Mm. anything about it. The truth is, you know, it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there in any context. And so I decided that I was going to go onto social media on Instagram and and LinkedIn and and just kind of put stuff out there. And initially most of my clients especially the cosmetic aesthetic clients, dentists, plastic surgeons, mm. they're all over, all in- over it. Instagram and and they're they're in, you know they're all over in a way where you know I have clients that have like 10,000, 20,000 natural followers who are my clients so they're big they're big fish in their industry and they keep telling me hey why are you not on here and promoting Mm. yourself and it's it's just not not something i like to do so in the beginning of this year i again i challenged myself i said uh posting on instagram wasn't i didn't you know i don't really like to post pictures and stuff like that so um but writing is something i love And uh, I, you know, I started reading and reviewing people's posts. And I said, this is really interesting. LinkedIn has fantastic, fantastic thought leadership. You can really learn a lot from it. So I kind of dipped my toe in the water. My first post was about quitting my my job and starting my practice. And it kind of blew up. And then I told myself, I'm going to give myself six months. I'm just going to write consistently for six months about four or five posts a week and see what happens. And then after that six months, I'm gonna sit back and just kind of say, you know, what was this experience about? What did I learn from it? And initially I thought I would be writing to doctors. So, all right, this is gonna be, I'm just gonna be writing to doctors every day. And it quickly, very quickly transferred into just writing to other attorneys about my experience being an attorney. And I realized, from some of those early posts i had i had i had really young attorneys newly in their career dming me asking me about you know follow-ups and i said well this is fantastic and then i realized how much i learned in the last 10 years which i didn't even realize you know you think that everyone knows more than you and everyone's so much more successful and then i realized i had learned so much going out solo so early so i just started writing You know, every time a client matter came up or something interesting came up in the week or something someone taught me or I've learned, I would just write it. And the experience has been fantastic. The cash value of it. Yes, I've gotten clients from it. My networking group has gotten deeper. There's people that read it who don't even engage with it that I that come talk to me afterwards and tell me that, you know, hey, I like this or that. So all of that was fascinating. But really, it was the um, when you write consistently and you kind of get your thoughts out in writing. I was writing a lot about value and business philosophy and learning. Transferring those thoughts into writing uh, cements those thoughts more consistently in your practice. And so it's a way, you know. They say you should write to your audience, audience of one, but something I wrote was that audience can be you and you can look at LinkedIn, not just as a marketing tool, but as a way to kind of crystallize what you're trying to achieve in your own practice. And that it reverberated tenfold back to me in terms of bringing those lessons to my team, teaching them internally, writing them, and then talking about them. And then we're kind of using those to grow the practice. So it's been a great experience.
1: Well, speaking to that directly, on April 15th, you had a post that says, Dear young attorneys and law students, after 15 years of practicing as a lawyer, here are the rules that I've learned. And so then we click on the actual article, which I love that LinkedIn tells you it's a five minute read. Don't don't worry, it's nine rules, but it's not gonna take you 90 minutes. Um, The title of your post was, Advice for New Lawyers and Law Students, Nine Rules for Success, and One Reason to Ignore Everything You Read on LinkedIn. Very clever. And then of course, the one that you had the videos on, I really liked. And then recently you wrote about how saying no can lead to yes. And then you write, a doctor called me last month, she wants help with her practice acquisition. I had to say no because I'm going on vacation. I was honest. I told her timing wouldn't be great. It's, it's longer, right? I'm just trying to summarize it real quick because I hope everyone connects with you and goes and reads it. You said, I left her with valuable information. I sketched a game plan for her. Gave her the advice, gave her two referrals. This is very nice of you. And probably a lot of attorneys are going to say, this guy's crazy. I would have definitely figured out a way. But as you wrote, they moved the closing because she wanted to work with you. So I think this is the the advice you give on here is just so real and so helpful. So I'm not surprised that it reverberates. You had 10 comments on that one. Over 60 people have liked it. And just so you know, people like me forget to click that we like things.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's far more people like you than the people Uh, engaging.
1: Right, so if we actually all engaged, you'd probably have more like a hundred or one hundred and fifty, but I want you to know you know I read your stuff, obviously because that's why you're here, but it doesn't um, always transfer to me clicking on likes and stuff, but I, we're out here listening so the other thing I wanted to comment real quick on, as far as your profile goes, which I have had. Allison Joes and Dennis Kennedy come on the podcast in the past to talk about their book called LinkedIn for Lawyers and making the most out of it. And they help attorneys walk through creating their profile, which your profile, I wish they should feature it in their book. You put, and this this is like the first thing, you have to say exactly in your profile what you do. I'm a health law attorney helping doctors successfully navigate business transactions with confidence. Right there, you don't just say attorney, you've got some very easy to read, easy to to understand what you do, uh, information there as well as your contact. And then I love your sticky post. It's a really nice picture of you. I want you to just talk to me about why having professional headshots done was important, although we all know why, but you know, a lot of attorneys still won't do it. They'll be like, hey, babe, can you take take a couple pictures and use portrait mode? So I, the very first sentence of your sticky post says, hello, world. I'm one of those rare attorneys who digs what I do. I help amazing doctors on their entrepreneurial journeys. And then you go through. I think your LinkedIn page is so compelling. So just talk to us a little bit about everything I just rambled on about.
2: I appreciate that, Adriana. So this all started, um, all of my marketing started by working with a branding guy Mm. In 2020 and talking to Mel, you know, how I wanted to go on this journey and he, he, uh, his name is shy and he created some fantastic kind of like, f- you know, fresher colors. And he, he, he put my signature into a PDF and we worked on creating kind of like a tagline. Um, and then he started writing, putting my blog posts on LinkedIn himself and i realized that wasn't the right move and or i started and then i took off and i started putting my own voice into mm-hmm. linkedin and that's where it took off and kind of my page started developing as you get as you engage with linkedin and you re- realize the people who are doing this right are people who are very thoughtful about putting together you know a profile that matches the clients they want to work with that is clear and consistent in terms of what they're trying to showcase in terms of what they want to do. And then, and then have a really good picture associated with it. Um, so we, we went and got headshots for me and Jennifer, and we're going to get some from my associate and add it to the website. But LinkedIn and your is, website really, is beautiful. Yeah. It's been working as a personal mm-hmm. kind of website for me. Um, and I have to tell you, There's a lot of attorneys who have a lot of fear factor about putting stuff on LinkedIn. I cannot be a a bigger proponent of just don't overthink it and don't worry about the likes. You know, I I put a post out to young young attorneys and law students about how to use LinkedIn and just once a week just post someone else's post and give your little thought on it. Add a little color to it. Just exercise that muscle because what ends up happening is, and what happened for me, I was so fearful about not writing to doctors. I was like, what the heck am I doing? Just <laughs> spouting off about you know legal life and, 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 and the things I'm doing. First of all, I'm giving my competitors all of my mm-hmm. wisdom, not just people who follow me. But I realize is it gets you into this abundance mindset Mm. about about you know when you're just generating information and goodwill it reverberates back to you in multiples and so it's not really about kind of being scarce and feeling like I can't share my secrets with anyone trust me you know I I, I hide some of the stuff and I'm not posting <laughs> everything but but putting stuff out there um, what ends up happening is that other people start looking at your profile even if they're not engaging. And start connecting with you because they see what you do. It's almost like a bounce back effect. Talk about anything that you have a passion for enough. And then people will be curious about what you do. And then if it connects with something that they, you know, there's a need they need to fulfill either for themselves or a client, they're going to find you. And that's kind of been my experience.
1: Well, I love it. And you are an inspiration, no doubt. I can't thank you enough for your time today. I know how busy you are. Will you tell everyone where they can find, friend, follow, or connect with you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's Levy Barlavi on LinkedIn. You can find most of this information and posts I'm putting out is on that site. My practice is called the Pacific Health Law Group. Uh, so my website, pacifichealthlaw.com, you can find us. And if you just look me up, You'll find me on Instagram and uh, on the web and happy to talk to any other attorneys about my experience. Uh, and Adrian is great help with me. I think I might need you to come retool some stuff. And also uh, uh, I, I think I need to have a program where you're just training my associate now on some sure. of things that we discuss.
1: Well, I, very much enjoy working with you. I For me, the best thing about you was your cool tone voice that you always brought me down my energy level to like a calming level. So thank you. Well, I have to tell you, it's been very enjoyable. I'd love to keep helping you in any way, of course, you know, but I really appreciate how forthcoming and helpful you are to other attorneys. You know, it's a community out there and we have to support and help each other, even those of us who aren't attorneys but are part of the community community really appreciate people like you thank you so much levy
2: yeah absolutely it was a pleasure the, the best advice i ever got was from other attorneys mentors sometimes you have those formal mentor relationships sometimes it's opposing counsel that you end up learning a lot from so you know just give back once you learn it's it's an incredible it's it's far more meaningful than anything else you do so i appreciate you having me on and allowing me to share some of these things with you
1: I'm glad to have done it. And everyone, make sure you get out there and connect with Levy. Let him know how you heard about him, why you're there, so he doesn't ignore you. Adriana's podcast. And um, you'll learn a lot. It's great. Thanks so much. See you all next time, everyone, on New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. I've been
0: running from nine to five. Been biting my tongue for all this time. Won't let anyone cut me short.